0: My name is Carrie Seaburn, professional engineer, and this is Unstruct. Unstruct is the podcast where we share the stories from within your walls to help you understand how they stand today. Hello, and welcome back to Unstruct. In this episode, I was able to sit down with Olga Popovich Larson and Jens Larson. They are both structural engineers. Olga is also an architect, and we were able to talk about reciprocal framing and the Wastewood Canopy Project, which is located in Copenhagen, Denmark. So those of you not familiar with reciprocal framing, I think it's maybe best just to give kind of a visual. So if you think of a chain link fence, and think of the diamonds that are on the chain link fence and think of them as being offset in both directions, creating like a little square in the center and then being bent into an arch shape. So that's kind of what the waistwood canopy loosely looks like. It's just one form of reciprocal framing, but essentially it's putting shorter members together and it creates a grid-like structure with the connections being super important for this type of structure. So as you can imagine, this is a little less intuitive, a little more complex than just a free body diagram of a beam and maybe another beam or two coming into the main beam. So it's a very fascinating, a very maybe ornate, intricate type of structure. But the cool thing about this is that they are able to use shorter members. So from a sustainability standpoint, you can see how this would be very beneficial where you can take maybe members that are going to the landfill, shorter members that are cut out of longer span structures and actually use them for structural applications for these reciprocal framed structures. So Olga is actually a professor of architecture and structural engineering at the Royal Danish Academy. And Jens is a structural engineer with COWI. So it's kind of cool where Olga, she has a lot of research and has done a lot of research with reciprocal framing. She has actually authored a book about reciprocal framing, and she also has a background or a master's degree in earthquake engineering. So Very fascinating that her background is kind of architectural and structural and the fact that she is a professor and works in a university setting, she is able to have her students kind of implement these designs on a full scale model capacity. So they're actually tested out before they're constructed. So very unique and fascinating. And then again, super fascinating because he is able to bring kind of that practicing structural engineering background into this type of framing and come at it from just a completely different perspective, but also from the structural engineering world. So it was very fascinating to kind of get both of their takes on this type of framing. So with that, I will hand it over to Olga and Jens, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Awesome. So maybe if we can first start off by just talking about what reciprocal framing is, because this might be a newer concept for some of our listeners.
2: It's a, it's a grid of um, structural members that form an interdependent pattern where each member is, is supporting the neighboring member, but is in turn also supported by a neighboring uh, uh, structural member. So that they all form like a, a system, which is kind of differs from a traditional structure where you have like a you have a secondary a secondary structure that is supported on a primary structure, which is then supported taking the load down to the ground via columns and so on. Here it's more kind of it's all interlinked, and it, there isn't a simple load path and a hierarchy as as in more conventional structures. And then you can have quite sort of, you can have simple, simple reciprocal frames like covering the, the roof uh, the roof over, a, like forming a roof structure over, over a space. Or you can have these sort of more complicated multi-frames where you have lots of reciprocal frames that are connected together and forming complex systems.
1: And then maybe we could add that the smallest number of members is three. And then the number can grow. And in the, in the singular units, it's very much how many can be put together to form a circle, how many physically can fit because of their, their sizes. But in the multiple ones, there is more or less uh, no limit. Uh, again, uh, there is a limit depending on the geometry that they have to fit physically in the system. That's a great explanation and you guys have really
0: introduced me to this type of framing and the things that come to mind first are like if three people were were together and were grabbing onto each other's wrists, so a triad. That would be kind of that reciprocal framing look. Or another example that I think of sometimes tying it into kind of everyday life would be a group of people standing in a circle and then everyone sitting down on each other's knees. So everyone is supported by the member around them. And the fact that it's all looping together, it becomes self-sufficient at that point. Is that correct?
2: That's a really good example. yeah. Yes. Because otherwise, it's quite difficult to explain without uh, seeing it visually. That's a good picture.
0: Yes. And we will have some pictures for our listeners because like you said, Jens, it's difficult to explain this. But another word when we first started talking off air about this is circular framing. So this is a a topic in engineering school that comes up sometimes. We always want to make sure that we have a straight load path member and the members connecting into that one straight load path. Whereas reciprocal framing is a completely different concept where it's a grid system. So when you look at it first, it almost looks like it's this circular framing, but in reality, because of the way that the connections are fit together, it becomes structurally stable. Can we maybe talk a little bit about the circular framing and then reciprocal framing? And maybe Jens, if you could just give a little insight into, you know, coming at that from a more classical, traditional structural engineering background and how that all ties together and how to kind of decipher the two.
2: Yes. The way it kind of works, yeah, as as you mentioned, it's the connections are, are a really um, important part of the uh, of the reciprocal frame, understanding how the connections are working. And if we are looking at uh, a roof structure, you would normally have a you have some kind of pitched roof with a circular shape, for example. And each a lot of these uh, reciprocal frames that have been built have members where they are connected. Neighboring uh, members are connected. One member is sitting on top of the member, like as a point load for example at the third point of uh, of the of the you know, the length of the member and then uh, it's delivering the load at the end of the member to the next one again it's difficult to to explain without seeing it but the connections are are really uh, crucial and how you' you uh, design the connections
0: yes depending on
2: how you the geometry uh, works uh, and how the the angle of your members and so it's a uh, you have a mixture of compression and a bending and shear in each member. It's also been used right back to the kind of Middle Ages and Renaissance, where, you, for example, if you have a, a large uh, floor, you want to span beams across a floor. So here we're talking about a flat structure. The reciprocal frame can be used if you don't have beams that are long enough to span from Across your, your floor, you can then use this reciprocal frame uh, system to span without going all the way across. So there you have a flat structure. So there there you get it's all uh, the loads are transferred in bending and shear, and not really compression. Okay. So it's yeah, depending on the geometry and how how you what type of reciprocal frame you are, you it works in different ways and. And the forces, uh, which force is predominant, it depends on that geometry.
0: Okay, yes. So there's a couple of different things, Jens, when you were talking. So the connections being very important, and then also the fact that we're able to use shorter members to create this grid light structure. So maybe, Olga, if you could talk a little bit about the connections and maybe tie it specifically to the wastewood canopy and the importance of the connections there. Could you just talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So when we have a single reciprocal frame unit, then uh, kind of each member is connected to the other. So instead of these uh, pitched beams coming to one point where we would have a special connection, they're offset. But when we uh, make, when we try to design um, a multiple unit that will have many reciprocal frames in it, like the wastewood canopy, then all of a sudden every little unit of reciprocal frame will require connection. So on one hand, we have a lot of short elements that we can utilize. On the other hand, we actually have many connections. So if we could have all the materials that we needed, maybe a connection is a complication because it's kind of the loads don't travel directly. But also there is a design and fabrication but the aim with the waste wood canopy was to try to utilize short elements and to utilize reclaimed wood because in Denmark actually we don't have much wood. And now with uh, the climate crisis, everybody would like to build in wood. So we wanted to try if we could utilize secondhand wood and also in a way give a good material a longer life instead of uh, kind of burning it after. But in that we found that if we connected every single member to the other, then we would have really so many connections. So the aim of the project was also to try to show that uh, it could look beautiful, it would be easy to build and and uh, structurally it made sense. So So we worked for a long time and we decided on different criteria. And the most difficult criteria was the aesthetic. How do we create something beautiful and come up with a set of rules? And perhaps the only rule we could agree on was that it should look clean, that there were not too many things happening. So that's how the clamp connection came about. So the clamp connection connects four elements with a single bolt. And there, the thought was that we would use uh, cross-laminated wood, again, as leftover, maybe new one, but we didn't have any. So it was laminated plywood that we used. We laminated itself. And uh, kind of that reduced the number of joints because we worked with four uh, members' reciprocal frame unit. By having a clamp connection, we reduced the number of, of joints by four. And that was kind of the aim. And then another important aspect was we were not on a building site. We were outside at the School of Architecture and we had to build it in a simple way. So the first trial was if we can make a unit with four elements in full scale, does it fit? And that was kind of we were very happy it did. And then we kind of worked with the geometry, which was like a spherical form. We then would build a layer. And then every time we, we added a new line, we would kind of push it up. And it really, the, yeah, I was there, but it was my two uh, PhD students who, who did the work. And we had no special tools. But that was also to show that there is another advantage with working with short members. They're not as heavy so it could be used for self building or so um, since then we've we've taken it down many times and put it up again and we'll do again in in july there's a big event in copenhagen but we've also learned a lot and one thing that we learned was that after we built it the first time, we scanned the geometry as built, and it was not the same as the one we designed. Okay. <laughs> so that wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> then we tried to understand why that had happened. And we think that this uh, clamp connection had to allow some movement so that we could add a next layer. But maybe that movement that in one connection kind of multiplied because there are so many connections. So kind of the error actually became a lot bigger than if it was one little mistake in in one of the units. Yeah.
0: How did it perform with that? So with the connection being a little bit different and the layout being a little bit different than you were kind of anticipating, did it still
1: perform well? It performed well. What we noticed is that it kind of had this twisting mo- movement that I couldn't see it really. But when we we did the scanning, we could see that it had kind of turned in one direction. And because there is a direction in the in the arches, but then since then we've kind of changed the geometry a bit. So now we're able to build it as designed but it would only work in small scale what we did i think for a larger scale it we would have to have a proper kind of connection with maybe better performing material maybe steel or fiber reinforced plastic uh, not not with wood okay but there is something clever about the connection because it clamps and there is only one way you can put the beams so you can't actually make a mistake and the complexity of the joint you don't see you just see a very simple flat clamp uh, which has been carved in so so in a way i think it it looks very nice and it it does show that it's possible so that was the aim That's
0: so cool. And as you're talking, Olga, so the way that this is constructed or the reciprocal framing, just to kind of give it a little bit of a visual, what I kind of see it as is like staggered diamond shapes. But at the intersection, they're staggered enough that it creates a little box or a little kind of square at each one of the connections, right? Yes. And another thing that I'm thinking of is so many times, like, you know, I'm thinking as my classically trained structural engineer brain, we're trying to come up with a direct load path for everything we do. We're trying to come up with a direct load path so that we can one, simplify it and two, know what's happening with everything. Whereas reciprocal framing is kind of the more indirect the load path is the more redundancy there is sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I would love to talk a little bit about that because that also introduces more complexity on the design side of things. So I love how you talked about how you're able to create kind of full scale models or close to full scale models so you can see exactly how this is going to work in the field. Uh, But a question I have for you, either one of you guys is, Are there ways, I know with parametric design, we're getting a lot more sophisticated with our software. So is reciprocal framing something that has benefited from kind of parametric design or more sophisticated analysis tools? And how does that work?
1: I would say that like uh, intuitive understanding, which is difficult, is really important because uh, often the software gives you something that like, what does this mean? So in a way, if, uh, if I think of the canopy, uh, you could translate it as a set of arches that transfer the load. Yeah? And these arches cross each other. They're not full line, they are offset in every one of them. But then if you get a kind of a response from the software that is, it doesn't really look right, you can actually tell that there is a mistake there. But in terms of parametric tools, I think the connections are typically quite complicated. If you notch, uh, we avoided notching the short beams, but our clamp is like fully carved in, yeah? Mm. So the parametric tools really help with defining the geometry. And in the 90s, that was really difficult. They were not really there, the parametric tools. So they have kind of opened up for many opportunities. But again, I think... This uh, classical engineering understanding is really important because without it, then again, it's a black box in a way, the the tool. The other aspect that is very important and helpful, a result of uh, developed tools, is the fabrication. So, we used the CNC cutter, but it was still very manual. It was very precise, but it was still it still took a long time. So maybe producing the connections with a robotic arm would be uh, better. So if, if one can optimize and make it automatic, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Automize the process. It makes sense because otherwise, it's like, yeah, it's very nice to use this reclaimed wood, but uh, labor and design. It, otherwise,
2: it'll just stay on a, on a small scale. Kind yes. Of, you won't yeah. really yeah. take off big structures.
0: Oh, I love. As you're explaining this, like, so Ogo, you were talking about the connections for the wastewood canopy and that it was kind of complex, but it was kind of figured out on the front end so that it was almost like a puzzle piece. And so because with the complexity, the fabrication and the on-site building, that also means that that can be complex. But you were able to have it so that it would only fit one way and only require one bolt, which I think is very fascinating and very innovative. The other thing that I'm thinking of is while it's complex there's a lot of repetition right so like that connection is the same completely for most of them everything
1: was identical every single element is identical only the end pieces yeah Mm -hmm. uh, are slightly different and every single clamp is identical so so the time it took to design one then yeah that was it really Mm -hmm.
0: So just like you're saying, like the automation, the robotic nature, like having something that's automated to create those connections and lay out those pieces or cut those pieces. It's over and over again once it's solved. So (laughs) that's a great, a great candidate for that. So what type of materials I know? The wastewood canopy is, is a wood construction product. Is reciprocal framing kind of limited to wood, or have you seen it in other materials? What is kind of a good candidate for reciprocal framing?
1: Well, uh, I would say that wood is the best because it's a material that you can carve and it's a soft and easy to work material. So most of them uh, are in wood but there are some steel and concrete examples there is a beautiful steel uh, open structure in in Japan i can't think of a concrete one
2: In flat uh, Yeah, that's true uh, Floor structures With concrete beams
1: Yeah, that's true But I I haven't
2: seen Any kind of Very complex Roof structures For example In concrete
0: No Okay So with it Being a grid structure And each member Is very important There's not like An order of Most important You know Second Most important Everything is Pulling its own weight So how does this work From a progressive Collapse Or from A mitigation of progressive collapse so how is the structure protected against you know one element being damaged and then having a progressive collapse situation
2: that's a really good question because it is a, a major issue with these uh, reciprocal frames in a sort of simple roof structure with a number of uh, beams that are, are kind of formed, arranged in a sort of circular fashion if you take one member out the whole thing will collapse that's just the nature of the structure. But then when you have kind of these, uh, as we talked about, these uh, multiple reciprocal frames that are all kind of tying into each other, then you start to get a lot of redundancies. And then it's a different question. Then you, it is possible to remove members without and still having a uh, structure, still having a, a stable structure. And then you can also we've seen examples in remember in Japan also of of timber roof uh, reciprocal frames where they have kind of they have made uh, like two reciprocal frames one upper frame and then another frame that kind of twists in the other way underneath so that the lower one kind of forms a, a redundancy if the upper one or the other way around should fail then the the other reciprocal frame will will support
0: that's fascinating
2: and that's uh, form some beautiful patterns they're really kind of in Japan they are really masters in this timber structure and carving these connections yeah. some really fantastic examples
1: many of the yeah. connections are just held in friction there is no yeah. no metal fasteners yeah. to to hold them together and um, so
2: complex the how they are the cutting the mm. the connections
1: and then when I think about the the multiple ones, to me kind of it's like a little bit if you if you throw a stone in the water, the circles become bigger and bigger, but they they're all kind of they spread out. so if I imagine a force on a multiple reciprocal frame, the load kind of spreads out to the rest. So if you take uh, one out, if one breaks, then the load will go kind of in a slightly different way, but it will find its way. And that's also fascinating because they have kind of a, a greater safety in a way than if you had just yeah. a linear structure. Yeah. To me, it almost sounds like that's kind of like
0: the key is the connection, like as long as the connections are able to kind of transfer load around, then if one member is damaged, it then just like you're saying, the ripples from the wave, it goes somewhere else. But if that's not designed, then you have a progressive collapse situation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's very fascinating. And I also love the idea of doing almost like a two layer system. To kind of help protect against that. It really reminds me a lot of carbon fiber and how, you know, we use that for reinforcing structure typically. And that's on a much smaller scale. But if you were to take kind of carbon fiber and blow it up or magnify it, I mean it looks a lot like a reciprocal framed grid structure. It's just those connections are probably quite a bit different. But that's kind of what it reminds me of a little bit.
2: Mm, okay. Yeah, maybe there are some yeah. similarities there. Yeah.
0: What were some things that maybe as you're going through this that were unexpected that came up during design?
1: Yeah, f- first, like the unexpected uh, thing was, um, yeah, we thought that we had looked at the performance, like uh, what makes sense in terms of how we designed the, the section of the structure. But we obviously hadn't. Yeah. And so when we built it, we saw that it it deformed. Yeah. So in the second round, when we constructed it, we made the arch much more simple in section. Yeah? And we we experienced a lot less deformation then. The other thing we found was that the connections could hold, but not in wet conditions. The first time we constructed it was outside in, in March. It rained for a week and then we had some delaminated connections the second time we built it was in a simply, it's, it was still the same form, but not as high. And it didn't have like a kink into the shape. And it was indoors and we didn't have any connections that broke. So we learned that actually our connections are not as good as we thought they were. So it could have been good to try with real CLT or preferably with a metal plate, but we haven't done that. Sure.
0: So a CLT, cross-laminated timber. So an engineered wood product that would have higher strength. Yes.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So you said this is arch in nature. Does it have like a horizontal thrust force at the bottom or like an outward force at the base of that? Like, does it have to be confined at the bottom? Is there like a foundation element that has to take that horizontal force or are the connections able to take that tension?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. The connections were able to take that. It didn't really have a foundation. So that's awesome, right? That makes
0: it simpler to construct on site, too. Yes, yeah. Yeah,
2: but often you see, I've also seen examples of um, kind of where you have a ring beam uh, yeah. to to restrain the roof members. For example, like, like in, in a pitched sort of circular shape, pitched roof. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that will you will
2: get you will get compression yeah. in the members, and that compression has to be restrained, restrained. Yeah, somehow.
1: So,
0: like a compression ring at the top. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You
2: need to control those those forces, mm-hmm. yeah, compression forces.
0: So, if I were to ask you, what is the most fascinating thing of this project? What would you say?
1: Well, uh, for me, it was to find out that we could design with uh, secondhand wood in Denmark. I guess everywhere it's not allowed to use uh, secondhand wood for structural purposes, but just to do it and to to show that it's possible, and then also to show that you can design a structure that is very easy to build, and that it. I'm really proud that it looks good. <laughs> So that makes us uh, think maybe a bit more about how we could uh, reuse materials. Of course, it's not the only way that we can reuse materials and not the only way to use short elements, but it is one way. So that was the learning from it. Hmm. But but a lot more development needs to go if it was bigger scale, a longer span and a real structure.
2: I think it's also really important to, to have full-scale models when you have these type of structures where there isn't there isn't so much practice so many built examples to refer to as you found out you've you saw that the deformations were bigger in the connections that you had uh, yeah. anticipated so it's important for some physical models and uh, load checks on, on 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 models so you're not just relying on your on theoretical model
0: Sure. Yeah. Unexpected things always come up, right? Yeah,
2: that's always, <laughs> yeah. <yes. laughs> that's
0: yeah. I have to say, one of the things I find the most fascinating about this project is that you were able to use reclaimed wood. Because these are materials that, you know, they could be six feet, eight feet in length, maybe even less. But like they're members that are, you know, let's say a building is getting you know, demolished. There are members that are getting cut out that would otherwise end up in a landfill or burn, or maybe the pieces that are, you know, in the sawmill that are getting cut off of the main long members because they actually need 10 foot long studs. And in this application, you can use almost those waste pieces that are made during production too, and actually use them. And they have, they're not just I mean, they are very visually pleasing, but they also have structural strength to them and structural use to make a large
1: scale piece, which is very fascinating, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that also, if we didn't think so much about using and reusing and using leftovers, I think uh, the reciprocal frames just give that opportunity. Yeah, And they're beautiful. They're ornate. Yeah, yeah I agree.
0: <laughs> they
2: form some really interesting patterns. Yeah. yeah.
0: Have you found different, interesting patterns too?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm really kind of intrigued by it, these structures.
1: Mm. So cool. It'll
2: be very interesting to see in the future. What, um,
1: yeah, where they go.
2: Will there be increased use design with these structures? Yeah. And will clients like to um, to build them, have them built? So that'll be interesting to see.
0: Well, and the other thing, as you're talking, Jens, the other thing I'm thinking about is it's an exposed structure that's beautiful. So a lot of times, you know, if if the client chooses to keep that as exposed, not only do we have a structure that's made out of reclaimed materials, we also don't have to pay for, invest in, <laughs> use energy and materials to create a ceiling or you know like a finished material on the underside because the structure becomes kind of the finished surface as well so it saves resources in that regard as well
2: you want to see the structure that's yeah that's a good point
0: yeah so fascinating okay Olga and Jens if you were to give the Wastewood Canopy a theme song what would it be <laughs>
1: For me it's like uh, some classical music but what is it I don't know. <laughs> what do you think?
2: Yeah, that's a good a good suggestion.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. I love that cuz every classical piece has a whole group of like instruments that go together to make it, right? So it's a group of so many different diverse pieces and this reciprocal framing has so many different pieces that come together to make a symphony of structure
2: and have so many different uh, forms and and shapes these and, and, uh, reciprocal friends,
1: And they have to, like in music, they have to support each other and go yeah. well together. Because if not, uh, yeah. yeah, there'll be a progressive collapse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So true. Well, I am so glad that you are the conductor of reciprocal <laughs> framing. <laughs> yeah. So what do you guys do to recharge? What do you do for fun outside of engineering and architecture?
2: Just enjoy life here in Copenhagen and uh, go out and
0: On
1: enjoy walks.
2: nature. Uh, and it's a nice, um, nice city to live in
1: here. Yeah, and go to countryside walks. Yeah, and uh, in free time I also quilt. Awesome. And sometimes my patterns—they're hexagons and squares. <laughs> <laughs> You're developing some reciprocal frame pattern. There is no danger of progressive collapse there. <laughs> yes, no, it's silly, but they're just for me, Olga. Oh, that is
0: too good quilting and reciprocal framing, like they're so similar. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Inspiration is everywhere, right? It is, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> Well, Jens and Olga, thank you so much for joining today. I know you guys are both experts in your fields, and for sure in the reciprocal framing side of things. So, thank you so much for coming on today to share your knowledge and expertise. Thank mm-hmm. you
2: so much for inviting us. us. It's been uh, yeah. it's been great. Um, yeah,
1: it's been uh, a real pleasure. Great talking to. You. Yeah, thank you. Yeah,
0: thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Unstruct and know someone else who would, please share it with them. And if you enjoy the work that I'm doing here in general, I would really appreciate your rating and review on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to help others find the show. Speaking of finding shows, Unstruct is part of the Gable Media Network, a place where you can find even more content like this. To see the catalog of shows focused on our built environment, visit gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-media.com. Lastly, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe before you go so that you don't miss the next story from Within the Walls and how they stand today.
1: I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects.